Kylie Dutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organisational psychology and welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Today I am joined by Ngazi Weller and we are going to talk about Weller being. Ngazi, tell us about yourself. Hi everybody, my name is Ngazi Weller and I am director of Aurora a culture change consultancy that focuses on mental well-being, leadership development and productivity. Thank you for having me. In this episode, I was on the corporate track to success, let's say, and it didn't work out for me. I burnt out after a 15 plus year career. I love that we're doing a well-being podcast and we're about to hit number five and we're on people don't really care. <laughs> What's our origin story? How our did origin story. It's, it's like the beginning of a love story, isn't it? It's like, what's that one with Ryan Gosling and, and the... Uh, La La Land. No, bloody oh. hell, that's not, that's not a good love story. La Ryan La Gosling. Land. Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Uh, the Notebook. Thank you. Yes, The Notebook. How did me and Jenny meet? We met at um, Agents' fantastic International Women's Day event just this, just this year. Yeah, big shout out to No, was it really just this year? Yeah, it was like four months ago. No. I've just left a lasting memory. Well, then we must have seen each other like 50 times since then. But we met at International Women's Day, seated on the same table, guests of the lovely Nick from The Growth Company. Who will be on the podcast. Um, He's a brilliant podcast guest. And he, um, he chose people that he thought would get on. And I was instantly attracted to your hair. Anybody who hasn't seen Jenny's hair, you're missing out. It was just glorious, but subtle, rainbow-coloured hair. And it, to me, it reflected a warm, sunny personality on the inside. And then we started talking, and it turns out we share neurodivergence in common. Um, and it was, that was it. That was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And now we just do lots of fun stuff together. Loads of stuff. That's why I can't believe it's... It, are you sure it was March 2023? <laughs> yes. Because we're I am only absolutely in ju- sure. Ju- it's only July. <laughs> I can't it can't have just been like four months ago. Yep. Absolutely was. But we've even got numbers on each other's phones and stuff. Anyway, that was our That was our origin story. Our origin story. Yep. We shared and what I love about so um we did, we went to International Women's Day, it was with Agent. Um we very quickly started to talk about neurodiversity. And you were really sweet and you were like, if it's too loud, I will go and sit outside with you. And I think that that was, I was like, oh, thank you so much. Um, and the food was, the food was lovely. Mm. Um, and you were like, is the food okay? Do you need, and I was like, no, no, the food is fine. And then I think I randomly sent you an email with an Alice, Wood, Alice in Wonderland quote about all the weird people, you know, the best people are weird. Yeah. And you were like, oh my God, I have that in my room. I do, it's on my dresser. So that is how we connected. And I think the whole origin story is is a nice element to it. But today we are talking well-being mm. and the things that are important in well-being. So you mm. do a lot in the well-being space. 
Oh, that is my bread and butter. Tell me why. Ah, such a long story. And tell me why is a question. Tell me Um, why in 30 words or less. No, I can't do that, (laughs) Jane. That's just so rude. So rude. I was going to embark on my original origin story, but now you want 30 30 words. Tell me why. Because it matters. Is that 30 words or less? Does that count? Why does it matter? So, for me... So I run a company called Aurora. Aurora is a culture change consultancy and we focus on helping businesses to create psychological safety in their workplace so that all the employees from C-suite to shop floor, everyone can have good mental health and well-being in the workplace. It's because I was in a place where I didn't, quite simply. I mean, I used to work um, in one of the world's largest oil um, companies. Yes, big oil. And I was a manager. I was on the grad scheme. I was on the um, corporate track to success, let's say. And it didn't work out for me. I burnt out after a 15 plus year career trying to get to a position of senior leadership as a black woman in an organisation that did not have black women in senior positions. And um, when I recovered from what was essentially the worst time of my life, and I've had some bad times in life, but this, this burnout was something that I couldn't just, work my way through so there was a time in my life when I was physically ill I had um, an unknown brain disease some autoimmune thing that left me paralyzed um, all down the right hand side of my body and the left hand side of my face and uh, that is disastrous when you're 24 and you have to learn how to walk again, write again, run, do all that stuff. But but the physical illness, and that was really difficult time, the physical Ill- illness, you have a kind of determination. It took a, a year, but you're determined you can get through it. Burnout was something quite different because you lose your sense of self completely So my natural determination gave way to total and utter hopelessness. You you lose your fight. And so as a a person, it's very difficult to continue that way. You can overcome physical health issues with determination. But I discovered that mental health and well-being needs a very different approach. But the consequences of it are just as disastrous, catastrophic for you, your family and your workplace. So it sounds like you, and thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, it sounds like at the time when you needed that support, that support wasn't available. And that's essentially now what you go and go into corporates and organisations and teach them like well-being matters. Um, you touched on 
I am going to, am I going to squirrel? I'm not going to squirrel. Not yet. Um, <laughs> but I've got like several things that I'm thinking about. So the first one is um, a desensitization of the word well-being. Mm. Right. Because we've banded it around. We banded it around in COVID. Oh, we need to do well-being. Well-being is pizza parties and fruit bowls. Mm, it's yoga. It's, yes. Uh, it's mindfulness. Yeah. So how do you deal with, my first question is, how do you deal with the desensitization of the word well-being in organizations when they just say, oh, it's just a it's just a fad or, oh, yeah, we do well-being. Here's our benefits package and dress down Fridays. So that's a really good question. There are two kinds of organizations that. That you can work with, there are the ones who do well-being because it's the thing to be seen to do and there's the ones who do well-being because they understand the importance of having healthy employees to the productivity and profitability of the organization the former there's not much you can do about it because it's so easy to be seen to be actively engaged and concerned for your employees' well-being by, look at us, we've trained uh, five mental health first aiders. We have uh, given money to um, mental well-being charities. We have dressed down Fridays. We allow people to work flexibly. It's easy. It's the stuff that gets put on LinkedIn. And uh, it's very easy to pat yourself on the back and give everybody a high five and say, we've done well-being. Those companies don't really care. They just want to be seen to be doing it. The ones who do care will understand, well, we've done all those things, the things that, that we've seen other companies do, but we've still got issues. We're still having unusually high um, absenteeism sickness absence or we're having lots of tension and there's a lot of employee relations concerns and we don't know how to address it those ones you can work with because those ones are looking to solve the problems that poor well-being create um so i tend to do no more than try and educate the former Mental well-being, physical well-being, it is not a tick box exercise. You cannot, you cannot just do what you think is needed without actually going through the process of asking your employees how they feel and um, asking them what help they they think they they want not just making assumptions because we do that so quickly we assume oh they want um i don't know they want access to certain benefits actually no what they need is this they need to be able to start later on tuesday wednesdays thursdays because that's the day they take their kid to school what actually employees need is to be listened to and to have an employer that values them enough to be flexible with them and accommodating. Mm. Whether that's an accommodation for a well-being 
uh, need or because they've got a certain ability or disability. Uh, that's all we want. We want to give our time, energy, effort, expertise to people who appreciate that enough to accommodate us so that we can give our time, effort and expertise. That's it. Nobody was doing mental health and well-being, really. There weren't many people doing it. Um, but then comes the pandemic and then the, the huge realisation that, oh, crikey, maybe we actually need to give us stuff about how people feel. Uh, so suddenly this becomes a, a, a buzzword, mental health, mental well-being becomes a buzzword. Do you think that part of that is, though, because typically well-being the, the, and we use the term the umbrella term well-being but you have touched on two different types we will talk more about yeah. that but do you think that it's because what happened with well-being was that it got put into the hr box and hr is touchy-feely it's about making people happy and so it wasn't taken as seriously as being able to actually quantify good well-being to your profit do you think that it by being put in hr that's where it's kind of not gone wrong but it's seen and through the lens of oh it's a it's a nice extra to have which is why companies aren't necessarily spending money on it initially yes i'd have agreed with you when we first started out it was always the people function and it makes sense right we know people are struggling who do we look to to solve it the people responsible for looking after the people, human resources. That's it. There was no such thing as a corporate well-being lead. Yeah. But that's no longer the case. Or a corporate well-being strategy. That was not exactly. something that existed. It, it, it didn't exist. But that's not the case now. The fact is Deloitte and many others, literally every month, a new global organisation has done another study linking good mental health and well-being and the practices and, and um, initiatives that support that with an organization's corporate financial success. Yeah. So it's no longer the fact that, oh, that's why it's not taken seriously. I think it's just competing priorities. But initially, for sure, well-being was, at least before the pandemic, it was just a fluffy, nice to have. And culturally, you know, we... we come from the the perspective of you leave work at work and home at home yeah. I I've employed you Jenny to be a computer programmer because you're good at programming I don't really care if your cat needs to go to the vet just get the program done but what if Sully really needs to go to the vet that's fine you take your time but Make sure it doesn't compromise on your work. So here's the thing, right? So what you're touching on, because you've talked about, and, and again, like you, I was in that well-being space. We were doing how to have well-being conversations, but well-being was a, it was just a word and we hadn't really defined it properly, right? So there's lots of dimensions of well-being. So many. You mentioned physical, you mentioned mental, but one of the huge things through COVID that was having an impact, well, there were two. One was spiritual well-being. Do you remember? Because lots of places of worship were closed. Mm -hmm. So people were losing that sense of themselves. And then the other one for people that are not me, um, social 
well-being as well right so that need to get out but there are lots of different dimensions right financial financial well-being intellectual well-being um, and I don't necessarily think that people realize when we talk about well-being you need to almost look at those eight areas and you might be really strong in a couple but if you're not so strong in others you're still going to experience burnout right you're still going to have some of those problems it's to me and maybe I'm just it's I don't know if it's because this is my business now or this is just who I always was it's not rocket science people are multi-dimensional and we're holistic wherever Ngazi goes she takes all of her her wild wacky her sensible her boring her scared I take it all with me everywhere I go I can't not you can't compartmentalize your your well-being you, just like you, you can't, can't compartmentalize you can yourself <laughs> yeah come on kids say you, it um, and yet we kind of expected people to yeah no you come to work and you're professional you bring your professional Ngazi leave the personal private I don't know intimidated scared all of that stuff leave that at home you come with your confident you're hard-working you're efficient you're switched on well, I can't leave that stuff at home, even if I try. So to me, it's always made sense that if you recruit a person, if you induct them into your corporate culture, you spend thousands training them up, that you make sure that you can support the whole of them so that all of them when they show up to work, is who you need. Who you need to deliver the most effective job for your company. I think the cost of a, a mishire in the, the US, I know in the US it's about 100, 100K, $100,000 is the cost of a mishire within like the space I work in, right? So life science is tech. So mm-hmm. why would you not invest in the well-being? And um, we've talked a little bit about corporate um, if you're an individual, so we've got people listening now that think, actually, I don't know if my well-being is mm. where it should be. What advice do you have for people? Like, what are what are things that if I'm struggling with my well-being, is the first thing to do to define which area of well-being, or what am I doing? There's a really simple technique that we use when we're training. So, back in t- 2008, um, the UK government at the time. Uh, were interested, funnily enough, in how we could live good lives. How can we live happier and for longer? And so they commissioned... Was that to get us to work longer? Let's not be cynical about these things. <laughs> they just wanted us to be better, happier people. Of course they Let's did. just assume the best, okay? <laughs> Regardless, they commissioned um, the new uh, economics for foundation, I think, NEF, to uh, do a study into how we can be happier and healthier. And they looked at over 400 different research papers and scientists. They um, collated so much evidence from economists, sociologists, medics, biologists, all sorts of people. And they managed to come up with the magic five. So for physical health, they came up with 
you need to eat a variety of five fruits and vegetables a day. Do you remember that? Yes. That was really um, focused on in the press in the UK. Yeah. Eat your five a day, get your five a day. Um, different colours as well. Different colours. We all, we all knew it. That's because back then, that's all we wanted to do. How can I live longer, be healthier, stay younger and be slimmer? That's what we were interested in. But at the same time, they'd also found the magic five for your mental health. Mm-hmm. But nobody cared about mental health back then. That's a thing for only crazy people, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, but we care now. And they've the NEF have gone back, reviewed the data, done more analysis. And guess what? It's the same five. And so if you feel off, and this is the caveat is if you're in active depression if you're in stage three or late stage two burnout if you are getting to the stage where you actually need medical intervention these this magic five isn't gonna you're not gonna be able to do it's not that magic but if you're just feeling like "Mm, a bit glum a bit meh yeah a bit meh a bit i know i feel off and i want to do something the magic five is always the way to go do you know what the magic five is do you know the magic five on do you sit on tenterhooks am i on tenterhooks am i sitting at the I'm edge on, of my seat i'm on tenterhooks oh. i'm on tenterhooks squirrel what is a tenterhook me too i was thinking that i have no idea what a tenterhook Producer is Liam, please can you google what a tenterhook is whilst we talk about the magic five for mental health okay so <laughs> it's really really simple and that is why people think it won't work. But I guarantee you that it will. It will work for you if employed every single day. What is a tenterhook? You don't care. What is it? It's a tenterhook are hooked nails in a device called a tenter shock. <laughs> um, they do something with wooden frames. It is not exciting. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm going to picture it differently. Yes. I'm going to tell about your magic five. Okay. So, (laughs) thank you, producer Liam. (laughs) First one, some people will. I always, I always loathed this one. I hated it because I used to consider myself lazy. But you need to get physical. You're going to have to be active. Every day, pretty much. Already, I don't like this I list. know. And we're all like, I roll. But you do. But physical can be like dancing in your kitchen, right? It dancing doesn't have kitchen, to be cardio. Mowing the lawn. Well, it has to raise your heart rate. So it doesn't have to be going to the we're gym. We're not like cross-trainering. It's though. not cross-trainering necessarily, but it has to produce a cardio response. Okay. Because what you're trying to do is generate... Well, what are you trying Dopamine. Endorphins, yeah. 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 That's what you're trying to do. So you need to raise a sweat. Did you say dolphins? Dolphins. Endorphins. We call them dolphins. Okay, what's number two? So first thing, I'm getting getting exercise. I'm doing some cardio. Whatever. whatever Why can't that be number five? I feel like I'm going to fall at the first hurdle. What's my number two? Hit me. Let's go. Again, one that's not popular... Because people are like, no, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And me with ADHD, bloody hated this one. But you need to take a moment quite regularly throughout your day to just pause 
and meditate. You don't need to be mindful, right? Yes, it's very, very, I find this really, really tough. But you need to be able to take notice of your surroundings. That's what NEF said. Okay. Okay, which is basically being mindful. Just taking a break and saying, and that's it, just clearing your mind. Now, there's a phrase or saying that I absolutely love, which is, um, if you're depressed, then you're living in the past. If you're anxious, then you're living in the future. And to be at peace is to be in the present. If you're just in the present, then you can find peace. And that's, that, that rings a bell with me, that resonates with me. Find somehow, some way to take yourself off whatever it is that your squirrel brain is worrying about mm-hmm. or your depressed mind is fretting over to just create space. Calm in your mind. So we're being physical. Mm-hmm. We're being present, creating space, calm. What's my number three? No man or woman or they, them, was meant to be an island. You need to connect with other people. Okay. I, I hesitated with the people because I wonder if you can get the connection from a good relationship with a pet I don't know if the study found this out, but it did talk about people specifically. Um, we need, we're built for connection. Okay. Humans are wired for connection. Now, the amount of connection, the way you connect, all of those things depends on you as an individual. So extroverts and introverts will need different levels of connection. Neurodiverse versus neurotypical will need different kinds of connection. But you still need to connect. And that was what was missing for us in lockdown, Mm -hmm. especially if you lived on your own. I felt so sorry for people who lived on their own. But you need to connect with other people. And we're just in that social media and text culture. Me, I'm as guilty of it as most people. But what I say to clients is, can you pick up the phone instead of texting? How are you doing, mum? Can you call her? Because that so, connection there's works. so much more in terms of yeah. intonation and, and all of that kind of stuff that you, mm-hmm. that you get, right? You get the warmth from it. Warmth is exactly the word I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's it. So you need to connect with people. Okay. Uh, the other thing uh, number that you need, number four, is you need to stop navel-gazing, right? We are quite self-focused, self-centred individuals. Um. And when you look at your life under your own microscopic lens, it's always going to look a little bit rubbish. I think that's what was up with me yesterday. It's always going to look rubbish when you look at your, your life. But if you can lift your head up and look out and find a way in which you can contribute to making somebody else's life better, the world around you better, you'll feel better. I remember when I, um, so a little story about that when I was younger. So I went through therapy and CBT and all of those things. And one of the the things that I was diagnosed with, which now I I don't necessarily think is true now that I have my autistic diagnosis, um, was social anxiety disorder. And Mm -hmm. it was the worry that how are other people judging me? 
And I had this wonderful therapist who was also quite brutal. And she turned to me and she said, you don't matter as much as you think you matter to other people. And I I must have been like 15. And once she said that, there's such a weight that was lifted off. So someone will see you in the street, they'll go, oh, that's a nice skirt. I'll say, oh, it's got pockets. And then you will never appear in that person's life again. You do not matter as much. And it, it kind of sounds like, like stop being so inward and, and less inward. Absolutely. More outward. More outward. And, and that is such good advice. I always say that to my daughter, who's also um, autistic and uh, struggles with social anxiety. That's when I got released from my shyness as a kid was when I realized people don't really care (laughs) I love that we're doing a well-being podcast and we're about to hit number five we're coming close to the end and we're on people don't really care (laughs) well if you think about it how many times have you thought about someone that you don't know who may or may not have done something embarrassing or worn something stupid or looked like an idiot without haircut. How many times have you thought about them twice? You haven't. People don't care. That's the freedom that lets me sing and dance in the street. I don't care if people are looking at me. They may be looking at me thinking, oh, God, she's got such a lovely singing voice. She's brightened my day. (laughs) They may be looking at me thinking, if that woman doesn't shut her trap, I will kill her. I don't care. It's not my business. So once you, and that's kind of freeing, isn't it? So so liberating. Hit us with number five then. The last one, most of us do this pretty well. It's to keep our minds active and engaged through learning, constant learning. Have you ever had a job that you could do with your eyes shut? Absolutely brilliant at it. You can do it. Uh, it's it doesn't really hold any excitement for you anymore. You very quickly start to feel there. We need to keep our minds engaged, growing, learning. That's what keeps us young. It feels like a level of challenge, right? You need to be challenging yourself and putting yourself outside of your comfort zone to thrive. So it's the whole uh, thriving versus surviving is what it sounds like. Because it generates dopamine. Yes. So, if you, Welcome to Science with <laughs> if you can't get that in your workplace because no, that's the job you have and there's no chance of getting a different one, you can't, look for projects you can take on, any extra responsibilities. If that isn't a possibility, what can you do extracurricular that's different? Even learning a new hobby, trying to learn French or how to bake a perfect souffle. Whatever it is that you think will be difficult, but once achieved, you will have a sense of accomplishment. That is essential. Can you learn how to play chess? I mean, that would be a good one. It would be a good one. And there's something about what you're saying, though, about that personal accountability, right? Don't expect people to do it for you. You need to be able to, to do it for yourself. If you, because you obviously started your your kind of your uh, journey with us and, and shared that with you, with us, if you were to look back now, mm-hmm. what would be one piece of advice that you would have given to your younger burnt out self that you now know that you think 
this would have really helped if someone because that's that's your job now right you help companies you help people yeah so what's that one thing that you would have told your younger self I, w- I would have said there is more beyond the horizon the reason I burned out was because I kept thinking if I just try harder then I'll succeed I'll succeed without thinking you don't have to stay here okay there is more beyond the horizon that's what I would have said to myself is be brave. Someone else will want you. Your skills can be used somewhere else. Find the place that fits. But that's the benefit of hindsight. I mean, there's so many things I didn't know back then. Um, I didn't know that I had ADHD. I didn't know that I'd prefer, therefore, working for myself than I ever did working for anyone else. I didn't know I'd feel more comfortable. Um being this person who goes on stages and speaks and um, trains others on topics that she's passionate about. I didn't, I didn't know all of that. But if I had known, that's what I'd have said, is just be brave and know that there is somewhere else out there that wants you. And I'd give that advice to people now. If you are really in a, in a job that is not fulfilling you, Ask yourself why. Why are you still there? I think that's sound advice. Ngazi. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you um, for having me. Talk all day. And uh, yeah, no doubt we will. Um, but thank you for talking about well-being. Uh, some, some light bulb moments for me there. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Bye. Wow, so I don't know about you. But that episode for me was really enlightening in lots of different ways. Um, it was great that Ngazi shared herself. Um, and I think my I think my biggest light bulb moment from today was, and it sounds really harsh, but you don't matter as much in other people's eyes as you think you matter. And I think once you realise that, it's just, it's really liberating. So hope you enjoyed this episode. For now, toodles. Toodles.